Hi, everyone, and welcome to part three of our discussion of the results from the 2022 Wilson Research Group Functional Verification Study, where today we'll focus on the ASIC-centric data from the survey. My name is Joe Hupsey, and I'm a verification product technologist and your host for today. Our featured speaker is Harry Foster, our chief scientist for verification. Now, before we delve into the ASIC-centric data, allow me to take a second and rewind a little bit and and ask you one more question about how engineers and management types can best leverage this data. Maybe we can phrase it this way. What do you think is the significance of conducting these studies? First of all, stepping back, it is the only industry study that focuses on functional verification. And as I mentioned, it's respected and referenced by many peer-reviewed research papers. But from a management perspective, I, I have many industry thought leaders that are very interested in the data. They're always reaching out. They, they want the data. They want me to give some insights on it. And the reason is they actually use this data to benchmark their own organization in terms of best practices. I see. So with that, let's turn our focus to the ASIC findings. Can you give me some specific trends you're seeing with the complexity drivers of ASICs? For example, software with respect to ASIC hardware design and verification. Very similar trends that we, we discuss in FPGAs. Uh, of course, there's a, a lot more adoption and, and a, a lot of these trends you'll see specifically related to embedded processor cores. Today, we find that 75% of all ASICs have one or more embedded processor, 52% have two or more, and then 15% have eight or more. And we discuss this with FPGA in that this drives complexity in a couple of ways. One is now I have new additional requirements associated with hardware-software interactions that I didn't have to deal with when I didn't have embedded processor cores. And then on top of that, with multiple cores, the complexity really goes up, particularly when you're dealing with arbitration and coherency. These are very difficult types of requirements i got to uh, deal with. By the way, one thing I didn't mention previously when we were talking about FPGAs, there's another type core that we track, and that's related to AI accelerators, something new. In fact, we just started tracking that in 2020. And since we're focused on ASIC right now, what we find today is that 32% of all ASICs have incorporated some sort of AI core, and that's grown from 27% two years ago. Wow. So one third. That's a lot. <laughs> that's not nothing. That's pretty amazing. By the way, I'll go ahead and mention the FPGA, even though we're not focused on FPGA today, but I did, I did mention it in the past. We find that 23% of all FPGAs have incorporated some sort of AI accelerator, and that's grown from 19% in 2020. Wow. So what other drivers are there behind the complexity? For example, we talked about security and safety for FPGAs. I got to imagine there are similar challenges in the ASIC domain. Absolutely. It's higher. In other words, we find that 58% of ASICs have implemented some sort of security feature in the design that requires verification. That is significantly higher than FPGAs. FPGAs, it was like 59%. But that has been growing. It was in 2020, it was 54% and grew to 58%. So there, again, it's additional requirements I have to deal with. Uh, in terms of safety, we find that 44% of all ASICs are, have implemented some sort of safety feature or else they're working in one of these different uh, safety standards, such as DO254 or ISO 26262 uh, and automotive. So, Harry, is the safety focus concentrated in any particular market or kind of domain? 
Yes, it depends on the targeted implementation. For example, in DO254, the bulk of it is FPGAs, where if you're looking at automotive, the bulk of that is in ASICs. I see, I see. So Harry, let me come at this with a different question on complexity, and that's in terms of clocking, clock domain crossings and such in the ASIC domain. What trends are you seeing there? It's interesting. It's actually very similar if you look at the average number of clock domains uh, for ASICs, very similar to FPGAs. It's three or four. A lot of that is driven by the essentially number of embedded IPs that are in the design. Each IP often has its own clocking as well as power requirements. And as we mentioned previously is that there's a class of bugs that you can't demonstrate on an RTL model associated with uh, clocking issues. So this is a big issue, and it has driven the need for these clock domain checking tools. Indeed. Now, can I ask you a little bit more about clocking and go into a low power direction, right? I imagine, and, and thus any kind of trends in the power management techniques that you're seeing. Yes. In fact, Of course, this is a big deal with ASICs, but 72% of all ASICs are actively managing power. And there's a a bunch of different requirements I have to check associated with that. For example, powering up and powering down domains. Or if I power down a domain, I might have implemented something that allows me to retain the state. I need to check that and, and so on. What particularly becomes difficult are requirements associated with, let's say, uh, application-level power management or hypervisor OS-controlled power management. And the reason is to verify that requires hardware-software interactions, and often you have to go to emulation because you just don't have enough cycles that you can do this with simulation. I see. So let me come back now. We're looking at the growing complexity in all these different avenues. Now, how is this impacting the verification effectiveness of ASIC projects. For example, how does all this impact the ASIC verification project schedule? Well, in terms of schedule, this is something that's fascinated me because it's been really a constant going back over 20 years. Two-thirds of the projects are behind schedule. It hasn't changed. Uh, It's remarkable. And you could argue, okay, that's that's pretty amazing, uh, the fact that we've gone through multiple iterations of Moore's Law. Things have gotten complex. We haven't gotten any worse, uh, yet there's still big opportunity to improve that in terms of schedule. One of the data points there, we find that 27% of all projects are behind schedule by 30% or more, which is pretty significant. So this kind of has an implication for respins. Um, what trends are you seeing in terms of the number of required respins before a project goes to production? Well, this actually was the biggest surprise of this year's study. And that, again, going back for over 20 years, we've hovered around 30% of all projects are able to go to production with one uh, spin, essentially for silicon success. That has been declining since 2014. In fact, This year was the worst it's ever been, where we had only 24% of projects, down from 30%, keep in mind, only 24% of projects are able to achieve first silicon success. And the concern here is that not only are we getting worse in terms of requiring additional spends, but the cost is going up in terms of the wafer and mass cost. For example, if you were to do a chip at three nanometers, that's 10 times the cost compared if you were doing it at 28 nanometers, just for one wafer. The mass cost is 25x times what it, uh, at three nanometers compared to 28. So, so you have two things going on here. One is that we're requiring more spins and the cost is going up in terms of the wafer and mass. So what does the data say about the root causes of these respins? 
So we track a bunch of things from logical functional errors, clocking, analog, crosstalk, power, uh, timing, and so on. We track many different things. The biggest contributor is associated with logical and functional. And uh, we find about 52% of all respins are associated with, with logical and, and functional. And, that, and again, that's significantly higher than any other type of calls that's contributing to respin. One thing I might comment, though, which is interesting, in 2020, we saw this huge spike in terms of analog. It jumped from 21% up to 41%. That's a huge, it almost doubled. And I was wondering, could this have been a case where something fell out of the confidence interval, like I talked about earlier? It turned out that repeated itself again this this time, which, again, the data suggests, no, this is something real that's going on. Uh, part of what's driving that, there's many designs that are starting to embed a lot more analog on the chip. So, so that's driving the complexity there. Interesting. Now, let's turn the attention to the project resource consumption trends and how is the growth and overall complexity that you've talked about, you know, how does that impact the investment in ASIC verification? You hinted upon it a little bit, but if you could elaborate on, you know, how that's, that's just grown in parallel, it seems like. You're right. It's something we track is the mean peak number of ASIC engineers. And we track both design engineers and verification engineers. And keep in mind that this is aggregated across all market segments, all design sizes and stuff. But it's interesting to look at it this way because you can see clearly see some trends. What we found is that in 2007, the mean peak number of design engineers on a project was 7.8. That has grown to 11.7 today. Now, that's a 50% growth. And actually, that's pretty remarkable that it's not hasn't grown that much. And the reason is, if you think about it, we've gone through probably about six iterations of Moore's Law during that period in terms of growing complexity. And we've only grown, you know, from uh, 7.8 to 11.7. Where the real growth occurs is in verification in terms of mean peak number of uh, ASIC verification engineers. That grew 145%. 2007, the mean peak number of verification engineers was 4.8. Today, it's 11.8. Again, another growing indication of just growing complexity. And, and by the way, design essentially grows at a Moore's Law rate in terms of complexity. Verification grows at a double exponential rate, significantly higher. So, Harry, this would imply that there's an impact as well on the average time spent in ASIC verification. What does the data reveal there? So it is significantly higher than FPGAs. FPGAs, it was approximately 40 to 50%. If you do the medium, the average for ASICs is 56% of a project's time is spent in verification. One of the interesting trends is, though, if you go out... Like I said, that's an average over a curve. But if you go all the way out uh, on the right-hand side and look at designs uh, that are spending 80% of their time, uh, greater than 80%, you see this upward trend going from 2010, 14, 18, and 22, which tells you a couple things that are going on. There's there's uh, often that's indicating uh, newer and newer projects uh, because they're spending much more time versus an iterative project or, or, or where I've just added a new feature or maybe retargeted it to a new type of node size. But anyway, so that's that's an interesting trend. But overall, if if you calculate the average or the median, it's 50 to 60%. Interesting. Well, uh, recalling the ASIC verification segment of my past life, the, the data from this serving is just so compelling. Unfortunately, we're out of time for this episode. 
But like we did in part two for the FPGA-centric data, in our next installment on ASIC trends, we'll talk more about verification effort, verification technology adoption trends, and finally, languages and methodology adoption trends. So thank you, Harry, for sharing this fantastic data. Thanks to everyone for listening. And we invite you to tune in for our next episode. 